guys, what's going on? And welcome, welcome to Just So Work Clear, a cute little podcast coming from two cute girls, myself and Marissa, here in cute Singapore. I'm never going to get over being called cute. I don't know if I like it. I haven't decided yet. What do you want to be called? I don't know. Okay, let me try some on you. Yeah, hot. Ooh. <laughs> Is that how I'm. Mis- no, that's not me either. Stunning. I'll take it. Okay. All right. That, <laughs> wow. Like, yeah. Um, breathtaking is good. Um, show-stopping is also good. Bold, powerful. You know, those kinds of words. I like all those. Yeah. Anything anything that's a compliment, I will take. Yeah. I don't know if I... I think cute for me is it makes me feel small and I'm not small. It, it it's it's associated with like girly. And I think like... I'm not that girly. Yeah. And I think like girly, it's just... I don't know. Yeah, I don't see you as girly either. Yeah, I don't really... I'm not masculine, I don't think. No, it's okay. I'm trying to figure out the balance I like being called cute. I like it it when my boyfriend calls me cute because I feel really girlish and I get to be all giggly and like, I get it. I just don't know if I've ever felt it or believed it. Or like if someone's called me cute, I'm like, oh, you just don't get it. Okay, wait. I, I feel like we've maybe talked about this, but when in a romantic partnership... What is your nickname of preference? Is it baby? Ew, no. No, right? You no. Would you call them baby? No. What would you call them? I call people darling, honey. Sayang. Sayang for sure. Mm. Sayang is a big one. Mm. I would actually always, Sayang is my go-to. Yeah. Right. I wouldn't call someone babe, I not call, baby. Oh, I, fall in, I fall into the baby language way too quick. Mm. I noticed that about myself, but I don't know. I think it also is, de- it depends on the context of the person you're with. Cause sometimes it kind of fits that person. Mm. So if they call you that you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, I don't to each their own. That's something. Yeah. I think this is something to ask your friends. Like, what do you call your partners? Or like, what are your pet names for each other? Yeah. But I have noticed that cause obviously between like when you're with someone else, your behaviors do change. And have you ever caught yourself? kind of you speak in like a baby voice or you speak in some kind of different way and then you realize that it's not just the two of you in the situation and every one of your friends is staring at you being like when did this happen oh see (laughs) seeing your friends in their relationship self for the first time is always so weird (laughs) it's so so weird um yeah i remember when i started dating my current boyfriend we were so PDA. And yeah, you- it was gross. <laughs> it was actually gross. Like we would have meetings about it and just be like, we gotta, we gotta intervene. We gotta tell them to stop. Like this whole like hand in the back jean pocket thing <laughs> we didn't was do so. That. Yeah, but that was the energy. It was yeah. very two thousand four French couple. <laughs> like, like we get it. You're long distance, so you gotta have like you gotta make the most of that physical touch component. But yo, yeah, people got like- uncomfortable. <laughs> whatever sorry not sorry but speaking of the long distance relationship so myself over here Hanley that's me for those of you who may be new to this hi um my boyfriend is finally in Singapore but (laughs) is now serving a 21 day quarantine that is wild I cannot believe that this poor boy is stuck in a hotel room for 21 days like 14 days was challenging did he at least get a good hotel he did he, he got because um he has a doctor's note because he has a medical condition so he got changed to the swiss hotel which is great you know it's like got it's a, a really big hotel. balcony it's got like really nice new modern um 
things furnishings, furnishings yeah. exactly so there's a lot of peace of mind knowing that he's comfortable but my heart goes out to everyone else who's stuck in like you know subpar hotels it's the for people, 21 days it's the people who are stuck in like those holiday inn types where the buildings are so close together so you don't actually get any natural daylight mm. i think that sounds like absolute torture because i think fresh air and daylight are two things that you fundamentally need mm-hmm. to just be sane and stay balanced like otherwise it's just you're basically in an insane asylum like you're in four crazy walls like you're going to start bouncing off of them yeah people really struggle so mental health is important you guys and if you know anyone going through quarantine or are still in lockdown in their countries wherever they are well our heart goes out to you because this yeah. pandemic is definitely not over yet. It's still going. Isn't and that I, wild? I genuinely, I mean, I've had points where I was like, you know what? End of this year, maybe we look at changing country, like moving different country. Maybe we start traveling again and starting to think about, you know, kind of my life after all of this is over. And now it's just, I don't know. I think this these new measures have realized that it's just going to be like this continuous extension and it's indefinite. And again, I don't know what my plans are going to be, but I'm just getting itchier about mm. the fact that there are so many people I love that I can't be with yeah. right now. So I'm there. The whole mental health conversation around the pandemic, like it was really trendy, right? Last mm-hmm. year, because everyone yeah. was like, look after your mental health so much so that even in work emails, the mm-hmm. first sentence would be like, I hope you're taking care of yourself. And you knew they meant it. And yeah. you're like, oh, my God, everyone is just such a supportive mood. And then after, at least in Singapore, after, you know, things started opening up again, I feel like the attention to that topic, uh, it just it kind of simmered down a little bit. I think it's because everyone remembered what it was like to have fun again. So we could kind of put it on the back burner mm. because it wasn't this constant crisis mode yeah but that being said when i talk to my therapist about you know what she's seeing now in newer patients um now that we are you know a year on and mm-hmm. pe- some people are still working from home but we've more or less adjusted to, yeah. to what our yeah, life is now new normal yeah we're pretty much here and the mental health crisis has not gone away and in fact um, a lot of people are struggling to find balance between working from home and their personal life. And it's leading to more burnout because when you go to the office, you kind of have more boundaries <laughs> set, right? You go to one spot, you come home, you put your computer down mm-hmm. and that's your family yeah. time. But now because the there is no physical space to differentiate your work time and your personal time, people are getting burnt out. Yeah, I have very direct experience in this because that's precisely what led to a very big mental break for me last year was the fact that in being self-employed I had three or four projects on the go and I was used to working from home but I was also used to working in a co-working space so I could keep my life segmented in that way but then when it happened and obviously I was getting a lot of pay cuts because businesses were struggling but at the same time, some of my more beloved projects that I'd worked with for years, there was like this effort to ramp up. And even though we were being paid less, we were working harder because we wanted it to still succeed regardless of global circumstances. And yeah, being in lockdown, I was working maybe 14 hour days, waking up, instantly sat at my desk on Zoom calls from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. And then I cracked and I remembered calling my boss and crying on the phone and being like, I can't do it. I just can't do it. And she told me to take a break and I took a step back. But then 
there's this it's it goes back to what we discussed before this hustler mode where you're like mm. why can't i do it why can't i function why can't i perform so you push yourself again and you try again but yeah and once the lines are blurred between work and home life and you don't know when to just close your laptop and then when you close your laptop your phone starts going off because your email yeah. notifications are popping up and not only that i think actually i had this conversation with someone recently from she was from america and she was saying that the WhatsApp work culture in Singapore Demonic. is really different to what she was used to because WhatsApp is another avenue for work. Mm -hmm. And I understand it. Like people are sending me documents, contracts over WhatsApp chat and it's normal. But actually, I I mean, it's it's only unique to like Singapore. It doesn't happen in a lot of other countries and I didn't realize that because I've never yeah. worked anywhere else. So the so the current job that I'm in and it has been with other jobs as well is that we have so many different groups to speak to and so that means it's it's in our time zone, it's in the states, it's in Europe. Um that means that my phone is going off non-stop so it's it's not just whatsapp it's wegram wegram wechat telegram uh email slack chat mm. like all of those things so it's actually gotten to the point where now i have to basically pick a point in my day and if there's no pressing crises at 6 37 p.m i turn off all notifications every single app oh good for you I have to. Otherwise, yeah. I will lose my actual mind. I remembered waking up at four in the morning. And I mean, you guys know insomnia is a good old friend of mine. And then just being bombarded with literally, and I shit you not, hundreds of messages. And the thing is that factually speaking, I they're not all addressed to me. They're all different groups. So there's a lot that I don't actually have to address. But it's just the fact that it's there and mm. it's omnipresent and you know it's associated with that work dimension of your life. It's just enough to throw you off but, okay, but also that's in your work chats. I despise group chats on a social level. Unless it's between like my core group of like five girls, three girls. If I, I hate <laughs> group chats that have more than like five people oh, in it. Oh, agreed. I, you don't like you do not need like, yeah. if there's a couple, you do not need to add both of them. This yeah. is my thoughts. Okay? This is my view because the, they're going to share the same like they're going to find out anyway. You can like share that chat. I despise it when someone makes a group chat to share like plans for one event. Like, I just did that for my dinner party. I know, but, but <laughs> oh my god! But it's because then I wake up and there are all these like messages. I just don't. I just don't want to engage in. But at what point can I politely leave? So at what point can you kick someone out of what it point that you can, don't? There's want? a weird like social dynamic between the group chats. It's like I don't want to leave cause that's yeah, because that's antisocial. But I also I don't say anything. That's even weirder. But if I leave, it's like. But then if I don't say anything, does it mean that I read everything? What kind of group chat participant are you? I am one of those engage when I have to, or if I actually have something to say, but I'm not going to chip into every discussion. I don't see the point. But. <laughs> I will say and also I am one that I mute every single group chat so like as and when I have time I'll see oh there's 30 messages and then I'll just kind of skim through so I don't waste too much mental real estate on it because I don't have time for that but I do also think it's weird that when you like leave a group chat you're kind of like what are they saying now that I've just it's dropped off the, yeah. like, the edge of a cliff <laughs> like do I have to say oh peace out and yeah. then like leave yeah. or do I just 
cut myself out or yeah. how do I do okay. this? So here's what I did um, leaving group chats from Bali because what? why am I in group chats in a country I'm not mm-hmm. in anymore? I just was like, hey guys, see you on other platforms leaving this group chat. Bye. Yeah, nice, simple, clean Nice, closure. simple, clean. Exactly. Yeah. And I think anyone, you're free to take that template to apply to any of your group chats because you see people on different platforms all the time. You don't need to see them on your WhatsApp. Because I think there's another thing that happens with group chats, especially when they get too big, is that you spawn side conversations. So if something's going on in the group chat and say, I don't know, say something controversial is said, then immediately you're finding someone else who's in that group chat, texting them on the side and being like, yo, what's happening in that group chat is wild. Just here for the popcorn. Yeah, like, <laughs> those, I'll, I'll be there for those. Like, I think that's actually really funny. Oh, man, I don't I don't feel like I stick around enough for that. <laughs> anyway, so guys, I know, you know, like, I know you get it because this is just a weird acceptance of this modern social network the burden life. of the group chat you know yeah. but hey what to do in other news this week i have a tiktok video that i don't know if i would call it viral <laughs> yet but, <laughs> but but it's growing and if you guys haven't followed me on tiktok shameless plug here hanley.hofer essel you guys there i'm more fun on tiktok anyway so I posted this video and it was a reaction to someone asking this Australian guy. His question was, what's the dumbest thing an American has ever said to you? OK, and I replied with a story about how there was this girl in Arizona who, when I told her my shirt was from Singapore, she asked me if it was a mall. And then when I looked at her and I said, no, it's in Asia, she genuinely asked me, is Asia a mall? Yeah. If Asia is a mole, Singapore is its Forever 21. Come on. We're better than Forever 21. <laughs> we're like Massimo Dutti. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Accurate. <laughs> we're like, we like the deals, but we're also kind of like slightly more expensive. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I love that. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I just wanted to bring this up today because someone said to me, if you are so proud of being Singaporean, how come you don't speak with our accent? I love that. It's basically like, I didn't know my patriotism was tied to my accent or my sense of like pride was tied to my accent. But I think this is something we all get as third culture kids because none of us can explain what accent this is. Even now, like even when I listen to us in the podcast, I'm like, how did we grow up in Asia? I understand if people meet us and we say that we're Asian, that they need more of an explanation to why we are the way we are. But then I would also raise the point, right? You and I went to the same school. We have different accents. But you had a British father, right? So, like, you have a British father. (laughs) He's still around. (laughs) Yeah, but my dad would have also said, like, as we were growing up, he would mock our accents because he's like, I don't understand how you sound like this. But then you went to England, like, growing up. You were like, you had, like, you spent a lot of time in the UK. Yeah, but you didn't spend that much time in America. See, and I would say yours is more American leaning, yeah, not American. There's this, there's this resistance in me because I, it's like you some, don't sound German. <laughs> I definitely don't sound German. There's this resistance in me when people are like, "You have an American accent," because I'm like, "How dare you?" Exactly. <laughs> but I know what I sound like. I know that I lean towards the American side of an English uh, speaking accent. But there's so much to break down in this because, you know, accents are so personal. And just because you don't have an accent that is British, it doesn't mean that it is American. 
There's oh, yeah. different we types kind of, of British or yeah. English speaking accents in the world. We sort of decided that those are the main two. Yeah, the world was yeah. like you were either British or American, and like Australian's like its own little niche thing. Oh yeah, there's New Zealand. It's, it's not as great. Well. I'm sorry, you guys. You you didn't luck out on the accent front. The Australians and the New Zealands. I like it. I kind of like Kiwi is kind of cute. Kiwi is endearing. You're like, yeah. oh, you're from New Zealand. You're you like, must oh. be so connected with nature. Yeah, right. it's like you haven't seen a person in 17 days. Yeah, you, your that's best why friend you're really, is a sheep. That's why you're really, really kind. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to be mean to a sheep? No, of course you're going to be great. Yeah. But, but at the same time, given our international backgrounds, like the people we grew up with in school. I feel like it's kind of like a Rojak accent. Like we, mm. it mixes with everything. It also it really depends who you talk to. Because the longer I talk to you, I, the more American I become. The more I talk to English friends, the, the more, more English British. I become. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same yeah. when I'm around like my local friends or my cousin. I definitely like have like more of a Singaporean more of a twang. Singaporean accent, yeah, but I same. never have a German accent. <laughs> what is the accent that you're sort of? weirdly kind of you like it or someone's asked if you sound like if you are that because you kind of like that accent oh nothing I've never I've I mean I was in America once and this girl said that I have a I put on a really good American accent and I didn't know how to take that comment and I was like what do you oh, mean I put it's, it on? it's like one level better than your English is no, so good. No, but the thing is the rejection that I have around being like oh your accent's American even though guys like I say this with a pinch of salt because I'm not deaf. I know what I sound like, but it's because there's this like <laughs> okay, kind of I notion. I did not want to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> there's this notion that I learned my English from TV. Yes, yes. Oh my god, yes. That yeah. you learned English by watching Ugly Betty or like or like Amer just American trash, which is not wrong. But come on, give us a break. Like, there are so many people out in the other parts of the world that is not from America that have American-sounding accents because the best thing that has come out of America is its entertainment industry. And we absorb that stuff all day long. <laughs> all we do is watch American TV shows, American movies. We listen to American artists because that is their greatest export. And oh. so, of course... Growing up, you're trying to learn English. Of course, I'm going to learn it after watching nonstop seasons of How I Met Your Mother. Like, duh. <laughs> I'm just trying to... Because you're right. Like, I feel I grew up watching a lot of American shows, but obviously I've retained a pretty significant Britishness. But then I'm also trying to... I've been asked if I'm Australian before, based on my accent. I've been asked by Irish people whether I'm Irish. Okay, I hear that. I don't hear the Irish. I hear it. Except for, for when sure. I say things like 30. Ooh. The fuck is 30? <laughs> it's because the, it's the T, it's the T's. It's, I also think you... And Ireland. I think it's also, you're very particular about your, I mean, like, Enunciation. you are... Exactly. You are, like, the biggest bookworm ever. So I think, like, you read... Thanks. And, like, you, you cross your T's and your I's. Like, yeah, you but point your I's. Me reading doesn't translate to how I read it out loud. But the voice in your head, I bet it's, like, Stephen Fry reading Harry Potter. I bet it's so British. Oh, yeah. In there. It's pretty English in there. Exactly. <laughs> It's not exactly English. It is an audiobook, isn't it? It kind of is. Exactly. But it's like my own voice, my BBC voice. Exactly. <laughs> and also, I think just to like kind of like plead my case for my accent is I also work in an entertainment industry. But wait. So when I present, when I am like on MTV, when I did radio, when I host, I'm doing it from what I've learned and gathered from an, from an industry that is, I mean, primarily 
from the U.S. So, yeah. But then what I find interesting is why do you feel the need to defend it? But given, I mean, whatever douche actually messaged you this obviously doesn't understand how accents work and that it's not really a particularly conscious thing. It's like when people do learn English as a second language, they do tend to pick up the accent of the area where they learned it. And that's like, that's cool. But are you going to tell them like, oh, man, that's the wrong one or, you know, explain, like, ask them to defend why they sound more yeah, scouse than think, from, you know. I don't think it's about defending, but I think as any mixed race or culturally displaced or someone who's just spent a lot of time outside of their home country or their motherland, you kind of go through moments of giant question marks of your own cultural identity. Yeah. You know, the whole like, where are you really from? And that is obviously tied in when talking about accent because that's like first impressions explaining where you're what you're about and it, of course it comes it, it ties in yeah. i think i've just picked up on the term code switching and just rested on that and we know how to code switch when it talks to like when we're speaking to our singaporean cousins versus our european ones like when we're talking to certain business professionals like you just you adapt like you just change and i mean I think accents are fluid. I think so too. Yeah. I think that you can like change accents as you just go on through life. There's this whole thing about how so many Singaporeans go to Australia then come back with like Singaporean Aussie accents. That, no, that is a <laughs> it's thing. A thing. It's, it's a, a thing. It's a real thing. And people give them so much shit about it. It's like a running joke. But you know what? Yeah, allow it. It happens. It's just the way the world works. Just shout out to your troll, man. <laughs> so shout out to you. <laughs> God, I got so many types of trolls. It's so interesting. You, your trolls are so funny because they just have no ammo, but they they're just firing shots at you all the time, and it's it's bizarre to me. It's like, why would you take a moment out of your day to be like, I think you're shit. <laughs> Like, who are you helping? <laughs> who are you going to stop? Like, what? <laughs> who are you saving? I know. Honestly, though, like, in moments like that, it just provides entertainment. And it's a nice way to check in to be like, okay, no, I'm still good. Like, if yeah. I look at this, like, my I'm instinct, still relevant. <laughs> no, People my still instinct hate. is to be like, this is funny. Then I think that I'm still at a good headspace to not be like. <gasps> oh, yeah. The yeah. moment it gets to the point of bullying you need to tell someone <laughs> like oh i will actually shut that shit down yeah i'll just blast them anyway so that's kind of recent news in my life <laughs> someone who hated on me for being singaporean without a singaporean accent yeah. how dare you ugh, the shame ugh. but i mean ugh. but then it's to presume that we only have one singaporean accent and it's the same with the uk like a Londoner doesn't sound like someone from the West Country who sounds like a Scottish person or a Welsh person or an Irish person. Same in New York. If you're coming from, I don't know, Minnesota, you don't sound the same as if you're Californian. Yeah. Just yeah. Let diversity live, guys. Exactly. Re also, just relax. <laughs> like, I think the key is relax. Why are we picking holes in this? Yeah. Why did we just talk about this for 10 minutes? <laughs> to be fair, TikTok is much more savage than Instagram. All the internet is savage. I just... Oh, these aren't battles that I have the time and the patience to fight. Maybe one day, maybe one day this podcast will grow so big that we'll have trolls. <gasps> We've had a couple small trolls. Well, at least they've DM'd me and I've just DM'd them right back and been like, fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> so what's new with you? How was your week? My week has been all right. I, I started... Um, a different kind of therapy, which is the same one that you've been trying, soma therapy, where it's about 
how your body responds to your mental health space, which has brought up a few interesting things. Um, but it's all stuff we've covered before, like the whole kind of go, go, go attitude and why, why I find comfort in constantly sprinting at a million miles an hour. And I likened it to water skiing because you have to keep a certain pace before you start feeling like you're kind of getting like you're sinking or like the weight of the water starts slowing you down. So basically if you keep a constant speed, things are great, but it does get tiring and you have to hold on. But the moment you slow down, you start to dip into the water, which is where all the other stuff is kind of sitting, waiting for it for oh, you to acknowledge it. Okay, I just got that. I was I was like, I've never been water skiing. I have no oh, idea wakeboarding how to relate to this. Or, right, so no. you're going fast and because you're fast, you're skimming on the surface. But if you yeah. slow down, you will sink. Yeah, and the thing is, it, it's not that the water is bad. Like, it's fine to be in the water, but it does make you struggle. Yeah, like you have to start treading water and it's a bit more tiring. And you also have to kind of acknowledge that there's probably stuff in there that you didn't want to touch. So, so like that seaweed that wraps around your leg is probably like this dormant anxiety that you've got. And you're like, oh, shit. So that came up for you this week. Yeah, it did. And it kind so of got me. the seaweed wrapped your leg this week. <laughs> oh, it did. Because it was, uh, we discussed it last week. Not on this podcast. I mean, you and I. Where I was learning to distinguish the difference between loneliness and being alone. And I've always been comfortable being alone, but I'm starting to find instances where I think I'm feeling lonely. Okay, so it's solitude, solitude. versus loneliness. Yeah, and, and so that's the, the term that we were looking for in this. Yeah, and I actually remember, you know, those like we're not really strangers type question cards that you can bring at dinner parties. And what the question that came up was, "What's your biggest fear?" And I said back then, loneliness. Like I watched my grandmother kind of not have anyone with her when her dog was taken and like because she couldn't care for it anymore and she was really lonely and it was heartbreaking and so I never wanted to endure that and I'm starting to pick up on instances where I think actually I feel kind of lonely today and then so I looked into it and turns out classic millennial problem we have the highest instances of loneliness of the generation before us and the generation after us and so if I'm going through it, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there listening who are also going through it. Yeah. Ugh. Doesn't that just... Okay, just to emphasize that point, our generation, this millennial glory hole that we are all <laughs> part of, are the loneliest and most depressed versus the generation before and after us. According to studies and research and polling, yes. And obviously individual, like there's definitely going to be people who are like, no, I feel great. And that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but the prevalence, yes, seems to be in relation to other generations slightly higher. I think, I think maybe because we grew up with like really nice, shiny ideals, you know, we did. We, we were promised everything we and were, given nothing. Yeah. We, we had like kind of the storybook um, presented to us mm -hmm. and we were like we're going to get there and we're going to become these people but just because of life our wokeness happened late for us versus I guess those before I think it's also because we got caught in between when mental health was something that wasn't openly addressed i.e. generations before us so it was kind of like a, even if they went through it, it was like a get up and go keep calm carry on just go 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 you'll be fine 
and then the generation after us, mental health is such an open topic of conversation. So as and when you need help, you know where to go and get it. But we got caught stuck in the middle yeah. where you feel like the conversation is changing you can ask for help when you need it but it doesn't mean you've been able to shake off that taboo that's been kind of conditioned into you for sure we grew up still watching media and being represent um, presented with gender roles and just like fat shaming fat sh yeah like, exactly yeah all the like we were there for, like we're here at the brink of all the progressive change all the stuff that should have happened ages ago or at least these are the latest waves of them but we weren't there to enjoy them when we needed it in our formative exactly. years like i i think there's a lot of compassion that needs to come towards us and self-compassion uh for ourselves because whilst we are going through just the hurdles of being in our 20s and figuring ourselves out we're also unlearning a lot of stuff unlearning is way harder than learning oh my god absolutely because it checks you like it it humbles you. It rocks your foundation. It's like this whole reprogramming that we need to go through. But our reprogramming just feels more severe because we are that in-between generation. I have a friend who compares us to the guinea pig generation because <laughs> we were the guinea pigs. We were, we were the guinea pigs of social media, right? Mm -hmm. When we were on Facebook, we didn't even have Instagram during our days. Not really. Yeah, it was Not still really. like was still really weird. early. But when there, you got three likes, that was like a killer. Yeah, like, like that was viral. <laughs> like cyberbullying was rampant, but the authorities and the adults didn't know what to do because they were so removed because just generations and technology, you know? And, and so we had to go through that <laughs> so that they could learn to be better for the ones that come after mm. us. And same with yeah. any other kind of like modern progression that we have had in the last 10, yeah. 15 years. Yeah, and I think our generations also face a lot of anxiety given, you know, we were kids when huge world events like 9-11 happened. We were young adults when the recession, like the global financial crisis happened. And then we're in our, you know, mid to late 20s. This is our second pandemic. Yeah, our second, maybe even our third. Let's not forget, wait, let's bird flu. There's SARS, SARS there's swine flu, there's COVID. Like we've been through a series of global health crises. So that, and I think people underestimate how that actually kind of bears down. For sure. And also just being adolescents or kids in a household when our parents had to bear the brute of a recession. Mm -hmm. that, Absolutely. That does a yeah. lot of damage within like the family nucleus. Yeah, because, for sure. Yeah. And I can speak from experience. I'm sure you do too. And I'm sure you as a listener do as well. Everyone has a story that happened to them or a loved one during that time when the recession yeah. hit. So we've really gone through so much. But to bring this back to this pervasive feeling of loneliness, mm. it's this fact that we're all united in that we've all gone through this together, yet we feel disconnected at the same time. And that's something that... You can't really just shake off like loneliness isn't just like a oh let me just go hang out with some people like my loneliest times I've realized were when I was in a room filled with people that are my friends but I just I couldn't connect like I could not I couldn't understand what I was doing in that situation because I felt very foreign to everything and even though these are my friends and they have been for years I could not speak to them at that point in time and it was a very it's very strange it's a very alien feeling and I think 
loneliness is this mental headspace that like we catch ourselves in. it's more than just a feeling like it is a state that doesn't get talked about a lot yeah. i don't there's a oh god what's her name she's an irish comedian um i'll find her name later but she actually wrote an essay in the guardian uh a couple years ago where she talks about loneliness because she lost her father to depression and suicide Oh, I know who you're talking about. She was on iWay. Yes. Yes. I love her. I know. What's her name? Uh, Something, I want to say Caitlin. No. Sounds like a good generic Irish name to throw on. Oh, I know who exactly you're talking about. Okay, but keep going. Ashlyn B. Ashlyn. Ashlyn B. Yes. So she, she, she actually wrote a viral essay where she talks about loneliness and the fact that like loneliness is not something that you can empathize with in situation. Like you can't understand the principle of it, but like the, the, the fear, the the isolation, the sadness that comes with it is something that doesn't get talked about very much. And then, you know, in feeling it recently, and I think the reason I felt it was because like like the water skiing thing I was saying, where like everything was going, like work, great, podcast, great, living situation, awesome. But then every single time I slowed down and I kind of went into that dip, I was like, well, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Like, what's it all for? And it was like, I have no one to share this with. And in that feeling, I was like, fuck am I lonely yeah it's it's so scary to really like go through those moments I've been I've I've felt it before I haven't felt it recently but I know the feeling I definitely felt it when I first moved into my place alone Mm -hmm. just come out of a long relationship and it's because that's when you truly understand the truest and the purest meaning of self-love Because in order to combat loneliness, you need to kind of create that base within yourself that you're never really lonely if you have you. And so when we do feel it, this like ego falls down, this like early (laughs) 20s protector that like carried us through the better half of the last 10 years of like independent woman, like self-love. I do face masks. I take my time. I look after my body. Mm -hmm. Like you do all that in the name of self-love and and all this. And so you tell yourself, like, I love myself. I do the things that on the checklist on Pinterest, these are the things for my self-love. I got that. And then when you have a moment when you're by yourself and it's almost unbearable because you feel lonely, that's when you realize, maybe I don't truly I'm not there yet with my self-love and that's also such a sobering very real and honestly I say not talked about enough but common experience but then the the I agree with you but I think the other side to that is also that we do push this message on people and we still do it it's all over social media about you know backing yourself having your own back like kind of be your own best friend yeah i love myself i Mm -hmm. am my own best friend which is all great and good like i think everyone does need to find that self-validation i think it is harder for others you know depending on what mental headspace you're in but it also sort of underestimates the fact that fundamentally we as human beings are social creatures Mm -hmm. and so as much as we can tell ourselves i don't need anybody else like i can do this by myself it ignores the fact that no by nature by nature we we need others yeah Yeah. like we thrive best when there are others and the dynamic of that relationship is you know completely up to you but i think we've just jammed this message down our throat of i don't need anyone look how powerful or how good or how successful i am without anybody and it's the whole like you know 
if you want to get there fast, go alone. If you want to get, like, if you want to, what's the other If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Exactly. Yeah. And I think we see that in terms of, like, teamwork, but we don't actually see it in terms of our overall well-being. Mm. And, oh, like, I'm tired of getting these realizations. I feel like it's just a, compo- like, it's just every single time I'm like, oh, we're good. Nope. Well, this is why, right back. this is actually why, this is the whole thing about doing the work, right? Like, I had this chat with someone recently about doing the work and those who are on different chapters of the book of work, right? Mm-hmm. Our homework. Mm-hmm. Everyone is going through it. We're all working on it. We're all at different chapters. But I also have come to a point where, like, I've realized how important doing the work has been for me in the last three years that it's almost narrowed down my social life. Because it's like, I now am like, because I'm so protective of, of myself, now I'm like, the people and energy that I want to be surrounded by, I want to know that you guys know what it means when I say, do you do the work? Mm-hmm. When I ask you, like, what what's up with you? And you give me an answer as honest as you just did. Then I'm like, okay, I feel comfortable having this kind of energy in my circle. Right. Because if not, it, it is a very differentiating, like, part of our lives as we get older like who am I going to be around and what like what standards are they going to be like met with in order to protect myself because as we get more vulnerable and open these things matter oh big time and I do think as we get older yeah we narrow down our social circles because like I love you know everyone who's generally within my circle but in terms of me investing the time and energy to hang out with certain groups it's it's getting smaller and smaller and like i'm not gonna lie guys like these new regulations from eight people to five yeah it bummed me out big time but is it gonna be an actual challenge probably not that's the thing it's like when i want to have a relationship with someone like for sure new relationships is a different thing but when i'm kind of reassess assessing like you know what to keep around and and what to not say bye to but what to step out away Mm. for now Mm -hmm. A big part of that question is like, what do we talk about when we're together? And if it's about your journey, your personal development, what you're learning, what you're unlearning, like I'm all for that and I will be your best cheerleader. But if it's still about gossip, if it's about other people. I got shit faced last night. yeah, Yeah. If it's, yeah, exactly. If it's just about stuff that I'm, it's, it doesn't spark me anymore, then no, no, it's, I'm going to take a polite little, lean back from this for a while but the interesting thing as well is like the difference between you as you're in a relationship i'm not and so there's like the there's that element of companionship Mm -hmm. that comes with being a part like with a partner but then i'm and i'm not trying to allude to like oh the loneliness is because i'm not with someone that it's that's not close to the truth whatsoever i'm actually (laughs) that's the one dimension i'm doing fine at but in terms of like meeting new people I'm realizing that okay while I might have this you know like this sort of weird wave of loneliness that kind of crops up every now and again my solidarity is coming from my family and my friends that they're the people that obviously I will never feel lonely around but then when it comes to are you going to open yourself up to I don't know dating new relationships as lonely as I felt at this point in time, I'm kind of like, 
no. And that that is awesome. That is so cool because like society puts so much value on you being in a partner and a relationship. Think, yeah, exactly. Like, there's think... almost this like wah wah like pity tone that comes out when people are single or they just are it's, alone. Yeah, it's more of like oh you feel lonely. Maybe you should start dating. Maybe you should be with, with someone. someone. Yeah. And I think that like. Loneliness isn't actually cured by being with yeah. someone. It's understanding I mean, what's guys, kind of driving how, it. How many people do we know in relationships that are like actually miserable? And you can feel lonely in a relationship. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Like, it's, it's just. I just, I, yeah, I think the point I want to drive home is that in terms of addressing loneliness and coming through it and overcoming it, is it's not about surrounding yourself with more. Mm. Like, that's not the answer here. And. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how I came to that answer, whether it's the correct answer for everybody. But I just know deep in my bones that being with someone isn't going to fix this feeling. Like, there's other stuff that needs to be worked at in order to understand where it's going to go and how it's going to kind of yeah, ease off. for sure. And well put. Loneliness is so sobering. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's, it's honestly, it's upsetting. Like, I, I mean, I, let's be honest. And wasn't gonna tell the audience this but i will like i mean i came to you what last weekend and i just sat on your sofa and cried and i, I was like i feel lonely i know and i was holding a cold drink and i wanted to console <laughs> her so i put my hand on her thigh to be like it's okay and my hand was wet it was wet and, and cold <laughs> like, it's the most unpleasant it consolation the, uh, and i just i cringe as i did that i was like yeah. I'm, I'm gonna touch her i'm so sorry fuck my hand is cold and wet <laughs> The least comforting gesture ever. Yeah, but what was good was right after that, you just like put your anxiety blanket over me and that helped a lot. Like, you need this. <laughs> Everyone needs an anxiety blanket yeah. in this day in life. But I should, that should be our merch. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> anxiety, <laughs> anxiety blankets. <laughs> I think we should do it. I right? think that's a great idea. Actually, guys, watch out. Uh, third quarter of 2021. Yeah, we've been brainstorming what kind of products we want to give you guys, but we think this is it. This is this it. This is it. Anxiety blankets. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, and I think like, again, like the main messages we're trying to drive here is that if you do have this feeling, ironically, you're not alone. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, reach out, start talking to people and acknowledge it. Like, I think the thing with loneliness is it's very hard to explain and therefore we don't tell anyone. But, and it is also weird to feel lonely and feel like you then tell someone because the whole thing, it's like a circle effect. Like if you feel lonely, who are you supposed to tell? Mm. But tell someone yeah just get it out yeah yeah because you know what in that moment of vulnerability that's where bonding is are you and i super close now okay I told stop you. no 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 <laughs> enough enough okay but it's true when you share with someone when you open up not only does it get released but that is how like shit's formed all right moving on <laughs> <laughs> done. done cool deep and meaningful I over <laughs> um Mic yeah. drop, but these are expensive, so we're not going to be dropping these. <laughs> Speaking of mics and this new setup, I think that was a good time to not only wind down the podcast, yeah. but also share with you guys that we're hosting a giveaway. <laughs> uh, Audio Technica, major shout out to them for hooking us up with all this new equipment. And also, yeah, they're sponsoring a giveaway this week on the podcast. So check out the um, show notes, show notes, and Caption, Instagram details. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys. Anything else you want to add? I'm a lot happier than I sound when I explain these stories. <laughs> I 
I just want to say, it's not all doom and gloom. It really isn't. I mean, well, how the hell are you going to talk about loneliness with a smile? Like, it's just You know me. I could do that. If I really tried, I could do that. Oh, I know. It's actually really uncomfortable for me. It's really jarring to me, too. Because I'm like, how did I just explain the most painful thing in a candid manner? Yeah. But yeah, no, don't worry, guys. I'm fine. Just want to (laughs) say. She's good. We good. Um, Yeah. And uh, big love to all of you who stuck around to the end of this episode. As usual, share, like, like, subscribe, comment, send us. If anyone wants to troll us out there, do it. I dare you. We're here to have a good time. (laughs) And on that note, we're going to round this up. All right, guys, take care. Bye. Bye.